This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Powerplay, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel. I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. And I'm Danson Chong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing. Together, every month, both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia. To kick this episode off, we're going to talk about the C-Biden virtual summit that just happened this week and what it means for US-China relations. So they had spoken on the phone twice before in February and September, but this summit was their first time seeing each other face-to-face. It was over video though, so basically it was a really fancy Zoom call. And most of this three-and-a-half-hour-long meeting took place behind closed doors, but both leaders had opening remarks in front of the press, and they issued statements afterwards. Yeah, Carissa, both leaders laid out their positions on contentious issues like Taiwan and Hong Kong, human rights abuses in Xinjiang, American restrictions on Chinese companies, and a litany of other issues. They also discussed the importance of managing competition responsibly. There were expectations going into this that the summit would put a break on relations further spiralling downwards. Danson, do you think that the summit delivered in these areas? Well, I'm going to say yes and no. No, because Washington went into this meeting wanting to, you know, as it says, establish some common sense guardrails to prevent the relationship from veering into conflict. And I'm not quite sure that's what came out of it. I think it's clear that, you know, there hasn't been new areas where both parties have found some new compromise. There are no, you know, new concrete deliverables. And, um, you know, we can talk more about this later. You know, there are differences on issues like Taiwan are as stark as ever. On the flip side, though, uh, you know, the rhetoric was, was much softer. You know, both presidents called each other their old friends. And the tone was very much different from, you know, that acrimonious meeting in, in Alaska earlier this year uh, between senior officials. You get C saying things like, without China-US cooperation, many things would be impossible. And then, you know, you had the American president saying that both sides had a responsibility to the world to stabilize their relationship. So to me, the fact that the two top leaders could sit down across a virtual table and talk candidly for three and a half hours seemed like a positive signal that both sides wanted to stabilize their relationship. Yeah, especially compared to how in earlier lower-level meetings, like you said, you know, then the US and China were almost insulting each other in those meetings. Yeah, you know, over here, the meeting is being couched as, as a success. Firstly, I think because China did not make any concessions, and it also has been presented as this summit where both sides uh, were meeting as equals. You know, this is a very dramatic change from the past where uh, the relationship was very much more unequal. Chinese media, you know, have been pointing to how the meeting was initiated by the Americans and how it was, you know, held in the morning in Beijing as opposed to late at night in Washington as a sign of goodwill uh, to China. At the same time, you know, Chinese analysts say uh, that Chinese leaders are under no illusions that the relationship is going to go back to what it was before. But Chris, I'm, I'm actually quite curious, you know, what's the view like in Washington? Well, one thing I noticed, Denson, was that in the lead up to the summit and also afterwards, American officials were repeatedly highlighting the value of communication between these top leaders. So, you know, this communication means that the US and China can avoid misunderstandings, even as competition gets more intense. So just having Xi and Biden come together in a summit and talking about the need for stability in their relationship and managing risks, just that is a win, especially compared to how the relationship had been at the point when Biden became president. It was just both sides publicly sniping each other back and forth slamming each other to their own media and to their own people. 
So the Brookings Institution think tank in DC had a discussion on the summit the morning after, and one senior fellow, Dr. Lee Chung, said that the summit was a success for both sides, but also that it wasn't a turning point. And his point was that it's because both sides are hemmed in by domestic politics. For example, Biden doesn't have the political capital at home to warm up relations, he said. And Xi is shoring up his position ahead of next year's party congress. So neither side wants to be seen at home as being soft. That's interesting. So where do you think that leaves us? Well, neither side is going to give much ground. But that doesn't mean relations can't be stable. There was another Brookings analyst, Ryan Haas, who said that there's a flaw to US-China competition. They don't want it to descend into conflict. But there's also a ceiling as to how much relations can thaw because they won't budge on their top concerns. So Henrik Foundation analyst Stephen Olson has this great commentary up. The way he sees it, the US and China have very different worldviews, and neither side will give in to each other. So he argues that the key thing to watch is whether the US and China can constructively find ways for each other's narratives to coexist. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. You know, Carissa, to me, the issue that best illustrates how the summit went is the issue of Taiwan. Yeah, with that, you could really see how there's little room for compromise. Exactly. And even though Biden reiterated Washington's commitment to the One China policy, he made mention of things like the Taiwan Relations Act and the Six Assurances, which basically affirms American support for Taiwan. And he also said that he strongly opposed unilateral efforts to change the status quo or undermine peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. And C reserved some of his toughest words on Taiwan, warning Biden against playing the Taiwan card to pressure China, and said this was like playing with fire. It just tells me that relations between the two superpowers are going to continue to be tense. But what do you think? Am I being pessimistic, or are there any silver linings that you see coming out from this summit? I think it's easier for them to cooperate on things that are in both their interests, like climate change. You know, America keeps stressing that China is cooperating not as a favour to them, but because it's also in their interest to do so. And at the summit, the US said that Biden and Xi discussed how the climate crisis was an existential challenge for the world, and how the US and China play an important role in this. And this came on the back of their surprise pledge this month to work together to combat climate change this decade. So I do think that climate cooperation is one of those silver linings. That's right. But you know, Carissa, I'm, I'm also quite surprised that trade and the issue of tariffs didn't seem to feature as prominently as expected. Yeah, Denson, that's pretty tricky and probably the next critical area going forward. American businesses are hurting from these tariffs and they've been calling on Congress to reduce these tariffs. But the White House also wants China to change its economic practices, like state subsidies to key industries. So we'll have to see what kind of compromises each side is willing to make. Yeah, I think that's going to be the next area worth looking at going forward. And that nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to Powerplay, and I'm Carissa Yong. And I'm Danson Chong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.